Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on this Monday, June 13th, the middle of summer. It is certainly starting to feel like summer outside, especially down in the swamp that is Washington, D.C. I don't know how the temperatures are up in Pittsburgh, but down here it is certainly summertime for everybody in the D.C. area. It's humid as hell, and you got to remember the first day of summer is not for another week. Yeah, first day of actual the- summer, I should say. I really don't go by that stuff, because then the first day of winter is not till December 21st. Like, come on. Hey, it's I, I, when you look at the calendar, the summer solstice, right? That one's the solstice. Yeah, yes. well, because oh that's well. the only one that makes sense—the summer solstice. Anyway, yes, that comes on June twenty-first. <laughs> that's next week. Yeah, fam. Yeah, fair enough. Usually, the NHL season is done by then, but because of the Olympic break that didn't actually happen, uh, the NHL Stanley Cup Finals will be running into the actual calendar summer which we will talk about at the end of the show we're going to give our full stanley cup finals picks and previews so if you want to talk about that we're going to talk about that at the end of the show so if you're ready for that that's where we'll get to but before that we still have some pens talk this is a pittsburgh penguins show so that's where we're going to start and here's the thing the one comment that was made by ron hextall and you can dive into it as as headstrong as you want but he said, just kind of off off the cuff, he said, you know what? When asked, what would you like for next season? He said, uh, a little bit of cap space would be nice. <laughs> Salary cap space, something that the Pittsburgh Penguins generally don't have when heading into a season. So I asked the question, Horwat, if they're looking for cap space, they have $24 million right now, but you know they're going to tr- try to sign Malkin. You know they're going to try to sign Latang. We've talked about that ad nauseum, but... Where could they find that cap space? Because once they sign those guys, and if they don't, you would assume they sign somebody else that's going to cost around the same amount as them. Once they sign those guys, you're going to be down to not much cap space. Where do you find that this summer? I'll take the low ball answer and say it's the defense. It is shipping off a defender or two. It is finding room for the cheaper defenseman in your organization, not so much uh, in your, not so much already on your team, but in your organization calling up P.O. Joseph, maybe finding a cheap, cheap, suitable second liner. It is the low ball answer in finding cap space is just the defense. You know, we mentioned John Marino has a big deal, but he's worth keeping around. Brian Dumoulin's in the last year of his contract, but is worth 4-1. Uh, Marcus Pedersen, who knows exactly what's going on there. Right now, without a Crystal Tank contract, our, higher, our highest paid defenseman is Mike Matheson. Mm-hmm. So... The easy answer is just shipping a defenseman out because we talked about having twenty-three million in space right now. That is with all the that is with no signings except for the Brian Rust one, but that counts mm-hmm. in, counts in. At twenty-three million in space, we know Crystal Tang and Evgeny Malkin want new deals. We know if those don't happen, we want to swing for the fences. So it really does become twenty-three becomes a much smaller number fairly quickly once you mm-hmm. start signing guys because we have a bunch of open spots. Everyone has cap space right now. Except for, I think, literally, the Lightning. Yeah, the Lightning and the Canadians are the only two teams, somehow. Uh, Vegas, I'm pretty sure, doesn't have any. Yeah, they're at 82-3, which I think is $200,000 under. Whereas Montreal and Tampa are literally over, somehow. Mm -hmm. Way to go. That being said, everyone has cap space right now. 
Penguins included. So once people start making signings, once guys start getting contracts, moving around, trades start happening, the cap space fills up quickly. For the Penguins, the easy way to open up that space and keep it uh, available is going to be the defense. Yeah, and you mentioned that, and we'll dive deeper into that because that's that is like you said the obvious answer because of you know, four players getting paid four plus million dollars plus you expect to sign somebody else that'll be upwards of five, maybe even upwards of six million dollars, especially even if you don't have Chris Letang coming back. But before we dump into the defense, before we we, we look at those four guys, because all four of them, realistically, you can make a case for all four of them being the guy that gets traded, but. The one forward that I would think comes into it is Jason Zucker. He's on the last year of his contract. We've seen conversations like this ever since the end of the season. He's the only Penguins player right now on the roster that's really a second liner. I mean, you could argue Jeff Carter, but if Jeff Carter's the second liner, this is an entirely different season we're heading into next season. So he's really the only second line player under contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. The question for him is, can he stay healthy? If he can, I don't see any reason to send him out. I know people are saying, hey, he's not the goal scorer he once was, but he once was a five-time 20-goal scorer, and he hasn't been healthy since pre-COVID. So if he can stay healthy, he does everything else the right way. We've said that so many times. I don't see a reason to be trading Jason Zucker with one year left on his contract, even if it is at $5.5 million, because if he stays healthy, I think he's going to get back to that 20-goal plateau. That's what we always say. But at the same time, sometimes you just have to be healthy. He hasn't been healthy since COVID. Well, maybe that's the issue. Maybe yeah, it is an issue. Maybe a player that is always hurt, because guess what? You need healthy players. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you, though, whenever you're saying we think he can get back to the 20-goal 20 go, 20 plateau. Yeah, me too. I was saying that before. I was saying that last season before he got injured again, saying yeah. he's going to come back, he's going to be one of the most useful pieces on this team, and then quite literally two games later he was hurt again. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, screw that. That's enough of that because part of being a good hockey player is being a healthy hockey player. Yeah. It's, you know, sure – Mike Boss, he was able to score 50 goals a year on busted knees, but that's also what ended his career early. So, yeah. not that Jason Zucker is Mike Bossy, but no. you get what no. I'm saying. It's yeah. whenever you are an injured player, it's why Bob Yor's career got ended short. When you are an injured player, you, you, you lose talent and you lose playing ability, and it sewers your uh, – stock and sewers your mm-hmm. ability to play hockey and if you're not if you don't have the ability to play hockey you can't be on a hockey team i'm not saying jason zucker is that but it's kind of the sense of if he keeps getting hurt that's just what's going to happen yeah and i think the thing with him is at the end of the day you give him one last shot it's a one-year contract you give him one last shot and the reward could be huge and and if it isn't guess what he still plays well the rest of the way it's it's a lot different than a guy like Kasperi Kapanen who was on the last year of his contract obviously we didn't have these questions because we expected Kapanen to have a great season last year but whenever he couldn't produce offensively he didn't really give much to the team as a whole even when Zucker isn't producing offensively look at the playoff series against the Rangers he didn't score a goal he had two assists in that entire series but guess what you said Jason Zucker's name after every single game mainly because you knew he was playing injured and you couldn't really, I mean, I mean, you could tell he was playing injured, but the level of play was not deteriorated at all other than on the score sheet. He was forechecking really well. He was causing issues and causing havoc in the offensive zone. 
He was forcing the New York Rangers defenseman to make mistakes. He was playing very well for somebody who was playing extremely injured and was basically rendered ineffective when it comes to the score sheet. If he's healthy, I don't think he is that. But even if he is, he's still, you drop him to the third line. I know it's an expensive contract for a third liner, but he's still able to do the other stuff so well that he will help your team. So I, I think Jason Zucker should be coming back. And I think even though that he's the only forward right now that's really a guy that you're thinking of trading, you shouldn't. Because guess what? You don't have anybody else on that second line. Eventually, you're going to sign players, but you need to at least have that guy. Because if you bring back Kapanen and he does poorly, guess what? I'd rather have a Zucker that can't score than a Kapanen that can't score because Zucker at least does the other things correctly. So I think they give him one more shot. That's fair. And I'll, I'll take that. It's hard to trade guys in the last year of their deals. Um, yeah. Those are the trades you make in the middle of the season to give other people rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I totally see a guy like Zucker or even Dumoulin surviving the offseason. Uh, and if that's it for them here, expect deadline deals. You know, I know the Penguins aren't usually big on sending off players for rentals, but um, maybe that's just something that needs to happen, especially for a Jason Zucker. I mean, p players that sell off at the deadline, I guess, are the ones that aren't usually in the aren't, aren't in playoff spots. Uh, but you never know. You know, maybe. Mm -hmm. Jason Zucker is an anchor. Maybe Brian Dublin turns into an anchor. We're in a playoff spot, but he's an anchor out there. We can't keep him around. Ship him off, and he's a rental somewhere else, and we maybe get, I don't know, trade trade capital? The, uh, last year, contracts are yeah. hard. They're difficult, I, if, especially if you're a losing team. They're a little easier just to send off. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd say if, any, if they go, I bet it's in the middle of the season. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Brian Dublin, so let's jump into that blue line because that's honestly, if there's going to be a trade, I th you're correct. It's probably going to be on the blue line because even on this list, there's one forward and four defensemen. So clearly, the, the rule of averages states that it's probably going to be a defenseman. I personally think that John Marino is the most likely now. Now, I know Frank Saravalli put out that story last week where he ranked John Marino as the 12th most attractive piece of trade bait this offseason, and that was attractive as in his playing ability, not necessarily his physical attributes, but I, I don't think it's the best option for the Penguins because when I'm just specifically ranking the Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman right now under contract, he is probably either first or tied for first with Mike Matheson on importance for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially after the way that he was able to play in that first round series against the New York Rangers. If I'm looking at the Penguins, Right now, he's probably their best right-handed right defenseman. I, I think that's a pretty safe assessment, considering the only other two guys are Chad Ruedel and Mark Friedman. So if you trade Marino, you're basically down to a skeleton crew on the right side of defense. And even though that is the most attractive piece, probably the easiest to move, that's probably the one that the Penguins least likely would like to move. Yeah, it's, it's hard. He's got that long deal. Yeah, it's that's the hard part, and also the, the clauses, which sure don't mean too much, but the long deal doesn't help. It's a ton of money, mm -hmm. and yeah, I just when it comes to moving a defenseman, I personally I think Dumoulin's probably the most likely option, just because final year of the deal, um, he has not played well recently. Now, sure, he's got a modified no trade clause, but yeah, you can make that work. I mean, if he's bad... Can you, though? What? 
Can you though? Like that's the thing. If he's bad, I, that that's the thing. I've I've seen a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, send send out Marcus Pedersen, send out Brian Dumoulin. They're not working for us anymore." Who the hell yeah. wants to pick up our garbage? Yeah, like who wants to pick up our garbage that is four plus million dollars? I get Dumoulin's on the last year of his contract, but I think that you vastly underestimate that modified no trade clause for him because I know you know that that's going to make it more difficult. But you're already cutting the teams from 31 down to 10. And those 10 teams might not want a player that's getting worse. Like, he might not pick a team that has the cap space. We've seen stuff like that happen. So, I don't think Doomland's going to get moved. Now, would I say that that's the best option? I would say that's the second best option for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Because I do think Pedersen is tops on that list. I don't think Mike Matheson should be touched. Regardless if Chris Letang comes back... Matheson had a career season in 2021-22. He elevated his game very well. He limited the Mike Mathesonisms. It's still a roller coaster ride, don't get me wrong, but he got a lot better and he got a lot more consistent. So I think they should give Matheson a little bit more rain. I know that contract's still a tough one to deal with, but the Penguins have been able to deal with it up to this point. I think if it's between Pedersen and Dublin, Pedersen's probably the easiest to move but I've also heard that Stock and Pedersen just isn't up around the league either. So that's why I think Marino is the most likely. But to me, the most encouraging and the best option would be either Pedersen or Dumoulin. Yeah, it would be. I, th- I mean, I get when, whenever I said he's bad, you move him. That was, I shouldn't have put it like that because that really is oh, just the okay. theory of trade all of our bad players for all of their good players. Yeah, no kidding. That's Which what you always want to do. That's just not how it works. The thing yeah. with Brian Dumoulin is he at least has a track record of being a number one defenseman or a top-line defenseman. Top you can fall back mm-hmm. on that. That's kind of my theory of he's bad recently. He hasn't been good recently, but he has that track record of previously being a top-line defender, and you can always use that. It's kind of how Evan Rodriguez might be going into contract negotiations this year. It's look what I have done before in the yeah. first half of the season. Don't look at the second half. But still, yeah, it's Brian Dumont hasn't been phenomenal. Plus, he's the older one. You want to get a younger defenseman. And, and again, if you're filling in a defense that won't have Chris Letang in it, that's the yeah. big sticking point in a lot of this defense talk is what is the status of Chris Letang? Because if he's gone, screw it, everybody should be. If he's back, <laughs> build from there. You know, yeah. Peace and retool from there. That's the theory that I'm rolling with. And we always talk about Pedersen getting sh- getting shipped out. That's because he's been on the quote-unquote trade block for three seasons now. Yeah, It's either happening basically, or it's not. Yeah, basically since he signed that contract. Yeah, so it's either happening or it's not. Pedersen's such an interesting case with this discussion mm-hmm. every year. And here's the thing with Pedersen, too. It's not like he performed poorly throughout the entirety of last season. He was pretty good at points last season. And in the playoffs, like I said, Marino had a great series. There's no way he was going to have a great series, and Pedersen wasn't. So the fact is that the Penguins' defense was much better this year, much more reliable this entire year. And whenever I look at Matheson, when I look at Dumoulin, when I look at Pedersen, the easiest to move is probably still John Marino. But like I said, if you could move, if you can move Dumoulin, listen, if you can do that, more power to you because the guy, listen, has been great for the Pittsburgh Penguins ever since coming over in 2012. He is one of the best, if not the best, defensive defensemen in the history of the organization. 
but he's on the decline. It's nice to see him back on the ice. You had a story for Inside the Penguins that he was back on the ice over the weekend. Nice to see him back on the ice. Nice to see that he's regaining his, his strength after that MCL surgery. But he's still getting older. His play is deteriorating. And if he can bounce back, that's fantastic. But I think Law of Averages states that he probably is never going to get to the level that he once was at. So Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult coming back from an injury. It's difficult coming difficult coming back from multiple injuries. We have to remember this isn't the first time we've had a discussion of Brian Dumoulin yeah. not being good after yeah, an injury. That's true. I mean, I shouldn't know a team that a player was injured against more often oftentimes I shouldn't mm-hmm. know that. I can tell you that Brian Dumoulin got hurt against the St. Louis Blues and has not recovered yeah. since. I forget what year, but it was a while ago. I th- I don't remember if that was before or after he broke his ankle against the Montreal Canadiens. I don't remember what that year was it was. Schultz. Was it Schultz? It was Schultz. Wasn't it? That, that one was, was Schultz. Schultz, yeah. But it may have been that season with Dumoulin yeah. because it was definitely pre-pandemic because we were playing the Blues. Yeah. So, that Dumoulin's such an interesting case. And, yeah, I the Canadians one. You remember the gruesome ones? That Schultz was, was gruesome. So, you remember yeah, the Canadians. The way his ankle twisted was disgusting and if, if you want more information on that for some reason then you can look it up on youtube but uh, a quick news story technically not with the pittsburgh penguins but it does technically affect the pittsburgh penguins the flyers have narrowed down their head coaching search to basically two names and then apparently a couple others are still in the mix but there's two front runners and it's john tortorella and barry trotz which means mike Volucci is seemingly out of the race and will return to the pittsburgh penguins behind the bench alongside mike sullivan next season he's not currently connected publicly to any other head coaching jobs to me personally torts would be fantastic for the pittsburgh penguins because there is no way that john tortorella stepping into that room is not going to be an electric factory of a dumpster fire it's it, put it all together it's not going to go well uh barry trotz can you just leave the Metro, please? I mean, from, from Washington to the Islanders, from the Islanders to Fl- just leave the Metropolitan Division, please. Head out to Winnipeg. I'd be l- happy to watch you find success in, in the Central Division. Just get out of the Metro. That's all I have to say on that one. I don't understand how he's still a front... I thought I thought him in Winnipeg was all but sealed. Yeah, but, but right after everybody started saying Winnipeg, Philadelphia came out of nowhere, so... Who knows? From the top ropes. Uh, I, and Bruce Cassidy factors into everything now. It, it's really... Cassidy and Trotz were both so shocking that that's why the NHL coaching market hasn't moved an inch in four weeks. Listen, for what it's worth, Trotz going to Winnipeg may have just been kiboshed because that team doesn't want to play defense. Those forwards, their star forwards don't want to play defense as good as they might be. Well, I mean, Dubois is defense. Goals. Yeah, okay, but everyone else. How about the heads of the room? There's a bunch of nonsense going on in that organization that maybe Dick Barry Trotz didn't want to get involved in yet. From Winnipeg, maybe it's a, maybe down the line whenever they have stuff, you know, not in a dumpster fire. That's, you know, something to figure out. Yeah. But it's the Tortorella thing. That's just what we need. We need the entertainment. Let's bring the heat back to this rivalry, man. Oh, it certainly will. That'll bring heat to that rivalry, the Rangers and Flyers, the Devils and Flyers. That brings heat to every single game that John Tortorella coaches behind the bench. I mean, I'll be happy to not have him on ESPN anymore. I think there's more players or more announcers on ESPN that, sure, give them a head coaching job and get them off my television. That's fine. But uh, just John Tortorella in general as a head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers is, is a statement that 
I know Rangers fans weren't expecting. Never would have expected to hear. I certainly wouldn't have expected to hear that either. But also, I would have said the same thing about Ron Hextall as Penguins general manager a couple years ago. And look where we're at. Well, the thing about that one is that they, they, that ended unceremoniously. So Yeah, well... Let's move on to our weekly Pens poll, which usually we do in the third segment, but we're going to get through all of the Penguins talk first. That way, if you're here for just Penguins talk, you get what you asked for early on in this episode. So our weekly Pens poll this week was, what would you like to see the Pittsburgh Penguins do with their first round pick this season? They have the 21st overall selection in the 2022 NHL draft, which will take place in Montreal on July 7th is the first round. That's when they'll be making this selection, if they do indeed hold on to it. But most of Penguins Twitter, most of the followers that we have say they should make the selection. 74% of our followers said make the selection. That was the top vote getter in this poll. Trade for another player got 18% and trade back in the draft got 8% of the vote. This is, a, this is a draft where, listen, the first five to seven players are all basically the top echelon. But from seven, the whole way through, basically the middle of the second round, anything can happen. Now, I know clearly the guy who's projected to go eight isn't going to go 62nd. But the guy that's projected to go eight for elite prospects is Connor Geeky. He's also projected to go 32nd in other polls as well. So this is a very, very wide open draft. And if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins and you're looking for somebody like maybe a Brad Lambert to drop to you, hold on to that 21st overall pick and make that first selection since 2019 is what I'm thinking. I'm not sure whether or not you agree, Horwat. Yeah, who said move back in the draft? Get the Steelers fans out of this out of this poll. Okay. (laughs) Your draft is over. We got we you got your boy. Maybe. I don't know. Um I think we. I think the uh, the ideal pick is you use utilize it and take and make your draft pick mm-hmm. uh, because that's one of Ron Hextall's uh, pieces of coming here. He wanted to rebuild the future a little bit mm-hmm. because we don't know how much longer we have with the core. He wanted to add prospects, add guys that we can look forward to down the line. Yeah. My question though is, well, that's great, but as every off season we talk about building for the future. Mm-hmm. And then during the season, it's screw it. We have the guys now. Let's win now. Maybe, but no. But even even in Ron Hextall's tenure, he hasn't really traded any prospects. He he's traded third round right. picks, fourth round picks. He's keeping the prospects that he has. I mean, look at Poulin, look at Legaray. Now their their stock might not be up, but he never really talked deeply about trading them. Right. I'm talking about fans' minds. Oh, okay. Where it's in the off season, it's all right. Build for the future. Bring the young guys, bring the young guns in now. See what they can do. Then during the season, we're watching Crosby, Malkin, Latang pop off with Brian Russ and Jake Gensel, and it is win now yeah. because this could be the last time. Why not extend the last time a little longer? Ship out the. Who could we get for a first round pick? Though is what I want to know. I genuinely do not have an answer for this poll at all, mm-hmm. except for definitely not trade back. This isn't football. Um, it's who who could you get for a first round pick this year? For yeah. just a singular first round pick, or maybe some pieces too. Who could you get? That's well, the important question, especially with our pick being 20, 21st. Yeah. 21. Who could you get in return mm-hmm. is such an interesting concept. Like, is Jesse Pooley who still needs a contract, is he worth a first rounder? Is there the idea of other guys around the league that won out? I can't think of anything right now. Mm-hmm. But, like, who is worth 
a first round pick this year. I think the most logical option is to just use it and take the draft pick. Mm-hmm. But if a name comes along and it's worth a first rounder, fire away because I always say it's fun to. I don't know. It's like I would trade away Jay Gensel for Connor McDavid, right? If you can update that much, absolutely mm-hmm. you take that. Well, if you do so that, if, do you get both of his girlfriends or just one of them? Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> They're part of the deal. Oh, okay, cool. And so is his heated driveway. He might need that here too. He will definitely need that here. Probably not as much as in Edmonton, but nonetheless. Uh, the only <laughs> player on my mind, and again, this is a weird like a weird situation where the player might not want traded anymore, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. Like, if the Penguins don't bring back a Malkin, or if they don't bring back a Latang and have that cap space, sure, send out your first-round pick for for Vladimir Tarasenko, but does he want traded? Are you going to be able to give the Blues enough? Because is he the only guy? If he's the only guy, then the price is going to go up, and it's going to be more than one first-round pick, you would have to imagine. And the thing about trading back is, what did I say earlier about this draft? After the seventh pick, it's very wide open. Uh, It's a very level playing field where people can go anywhere. Why would the 21st pick be of any actual relevance if that's if that's the case? So I don't think they're going to trade back because I don't think there's going to be a market to trade back in this draft. In the NFL draft, it's more so likely. Uh, I don't think they trade for a player just because I don't know if that's available right now. I don't I don't know who's available. I don't know what the market's like like that. And I don't think there's anybody that the Pittsburgh Penguins need so vastly that they go out and they make that trade. I think they need to make the selection because I understand we want to see one more Stanley Cup in the Crosby era. I understand that wholeheartedly. But I also understand that when I look at the prospect pool, I wince a little bit. Because it's very shallow, and even the players there are not high caliber. They're, some of them could be very good middle six guys. Some of them could be potentially top four defensemen. P.O. Joseph, probably the only one. But it's not very deep. So if you miss on any of those prospects, which if the Pittsburgh Pirates have taught us anything, you can easily miss on a prospect then you're kind of screwed for the future. So make the selection and, and try to add to that while you can is is what I'm thinking. That's fair. And I, I agree with that one too. It's hard to disagree with any option in this situation, I think. No matter really what happens with uh, the Penguins in this draft pick. Yeah. That should be a decent choice because it, it, we really don't know who could be available, who's yeah. worth a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but utilizing it and taking a prospect is also not bad just because that's part of Ron Hextall's plan. Yep. So we're going to take a quick break here. This nice long manscaped ad. I'll get to go to the restroom. I could probably cook an entire five course meal, but we will be back on the other side of this talking about Stanley cup finals and previewing the matchup between the Colorado avalanche and the Tampa Bay lightning. Stay right here to the tip of the iceberg podcast. Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. The Stanley Cup Finals are almost here, but let's keep the playoff beards above the belt this season. 
Manscaped is designed with fathers in mind and the Performance Package 4.0 is here just in time for your pop's special day. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and Travel Bag to hold all his goodies. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new Boxers 2.0 that, dare I say, are the best boxers ever. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a single sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for you and your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And doggy daddies, you deserve this treat too. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ALLSTEALERS. Shake what your mama gave you? Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey... Nah, not the Hockey Podcast Network. See, I keep doing that. It's been a while. We thank the Hockey Podcast Network for everything we did for them for three years. But uh, brought to you by Inside the Penguins. Now, see, it's also throwing me off because of how long that ad is. Listen, I love Manscaped. We got our... At least I got my PR package over the weekend. The Lawnmower 4.0 is gorgeous. I'm sure you'll be getting yours soon if you haven't already. Check the mail. Got another Got another travel bag, which I use every time I go. I'm about to go on a trip next week. I will use both travel bags now. So, listen, it's a long ad, but it's certainly worth it, especially if you get 20% off and free shipping because shipping costs have been ridiculous. So, while I have to catch my breath every time I even listen to that, you can catch some savings by using the promo code ALLSTEALERS. But let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, Horwat, because, listen, not very often... And I can't remember the last time that we have seen a Stanley Cup final with this much talent where you can honestly say, looking at the field of 16, that the two best teams, the two most exciting teams, have made it through to the finals. So when it's Tampa Bay Lightning looking for a three-peat, their third straight Stanley Cup against the Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, all those fun players there, I am extremely excited for game one through hopefully Game 7, starting on Wednesday evening. What are your initial thoughts of this matchup? Uh, the Avalanche got over the hump, and that's a hard team to beat right away. Yeah. That's the biggest takeaway, I think. These last few years, it's all it's been all about teams getting over humps. Even Tampa Bay, for that matter. Their first one came at a time of, well, they couldn't get past whatever round. They just couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh but then they did it, and they made it to the finals, and there was no stopping them. Despite Dallas's best efforts, there was no stopping Tampa Bay in the bubble. Uh, the second season, well, they were just that good, and also they got over the hump of the salary cap. They figured it out, and they won again. You go back to St. Louis you know, winning a round and making it all the way there. Washington getting out of the second round, getting all the way there. Pittsburgh in 16 was just winning a round, mm-hmm. making it all the way there and doing it twice. So, the Avalanche made it over theirs. I'm going to say it's their turn finally. I think they're going to find a way to beat Vasilevsky. I get he's good. And I didn't know if you wanted predictions, but I think for what to watch is it's an extremely talented Colorado Avalanche team that is hungry to get it done. Nathan McKinnon is hungry to get it done. Mm-hmm. This 
it'll be entertaining as all hell just because it is such a great goalie at the other end and, and uh, Vasilevsky he sh- <laughs> in an elimination game again he shut it down mm-hmm. stupid numbers I get he let up a goal but still unreal stuff and I think with the Penguins going into their three-peat year it was you could tell they played a lot of hockey you cannot tell the Lightning have played a lot of hockey Maybe it's because two of those seasons were shortened, and in reality, I mean, what, they had a whole five months off, something like that, before going into the bubble and playing half playoffs? Mm-hmm. Suddenly you take the, you take that first season out and you don't talk about those games that they played because there's a whole break there. So really, they've played two seasons going into this one. Uh, overthinking things. They're yeah. not as battered and bruised as the penguins were going into their three-peat year it's uh, interesting i think there's no one on that team that looks to be dead inside they're (laughs) all hungry they all know that they can keep doing it yeah and the only injury for them that is really substantial now of course they have to check with victor hedman after that headshot he took from alexi lafreniere in game six Mm. of the eastern conference finals but the biggest injury for them heading into it is braden point who they could have back as soon as game one of this series, which is absolutely massive. And it just adds to the spectacle that will be this series because on both sides of the puck, and it's interesting, these teams have so much firepower. You talk about Braden Point getting back into the lineup, that would be huge for Tampa Bay. But Steven Stamkos is firing on every single freaking cylinder right now. I mean, two goals in game six to take it home for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Then you have to add on the fact that Nikita Kucherov has never been bad in his life. Victor Hedman is absolutely ridiculous. Mikhail Serkachev started to show his offensive power in that series against the New York Rangers. This is a team that just, from the top down, has threats all over the place. And that's not without even talking about a guy like Pat Maroon, who's going for his fourth straight Stanley Cup, or a guy like Ross Colton, who was integral last season in the Eastern Conference Finals and is integral again in this postseason. So this is a team that is absolutely stacked to the gills. And then you look at Colorado... And they're more stacked. I mean, Kale McCarr, I've already talked about him on, on shoutouts and callouts so many times this year because he's that dang good. Nate Dog, Nate McKinnon is amazing. Landis Cog is a freaking bulldog. And same with Miko Rantanen. Another question on their end is Nazem Kadri. He's had a great season. They don't know whether or not he's going to be able to return after that hit from behind from Evander Kane. He had a broken thumb, I believe it was, or a broken finger. And he had to require surgery, but... They've had eight full days off heading into this. He also was off a couple days prior to that. Does he make his way back in by game five, game six? Who knows? But either way, those guys being back plus Darcy Kemper, the fact that these teams are getting healthy as well makes it all that much more exciting. And the last thing I want to say about it is while they have such good offenses, you already mentioned Andre Vasilevsky is the greatest goalie in hockey right now quickly becoming the greatest goalie of all time or at least there. in that conversation i wouldn't say quickly becoming because you know broder wall they're that dang good but he's getting into that conversation and this would obviously cement his legacy but colorado isn't a joke defensively either so this is a series that while everybody's expecting it to go oh eight seven eight six seven five we just saw tampa bay win a series against new york where most of the games were three to two Two to one. Three to one with an empty net goal. So I think this makes for a great matchup. They say styles make matchups, and these two styles meld perfectly together, and it's going to be a great chess match. 
It'll be a ton of fun. It'll be so much fun. Mm-hmm. You ready for Jack Johnson to win Stanley Cup, everybody? Yes, I am. I'm certainly ready for that. Uh, you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. It'll be worth it. Yeah. I mean, I want to see him win a Stanley Cup. I'd like to see Nathan McKinnon get one. I'd like to see Kale McCarr get one at a young age. But it, to me, at the end of the day, I don't care who wins the Stanley Cup. I know some people are, are like, no, we don't want to see Tampa win their third straight. I don't care. Like, this is the, like the Alabama thing. As soon as Alabama won so many, it's like, let's see how far they can push this. And if, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, 11 consecutive playoff series wins. I want to see how far they can push this. Yeah, the difference between the with Alabama though is at least the Lightning have likable people. That's true. Yeah, it, <laughs> at least at least the Lightning is likable. Like, sure, let's see how far Alabama can push it. Let's not see how far Nick Saban can push it. That's enough of that. The other thing too is Alabama is you know they don't technically earn that as much because people favor them that put them in that situation. I know that they're usually the best players, and college football is what it is. But the NHL is more deservingly so. I understand what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I just I do like the Penguins bias though of no other team can be can have more cups in a row right now in the, <laughs> in the cap era. We can't have a team hitting three. They can have their two. It's fine. We both have two. Way to go. Handshakes and move on. They can't have more than us. <laughs> they cannot have more than us. That's the hardcore Penguin fan theory. Also, you got to remember Crosby's best friend and second best friend in <laughs> in McKinnon and Jack Johnson. Ah, it's a, it's still a fun ride. I think ah, man. the Lightning. At least they're likable. Yeah, that's all. So let's finish this off with our Stanley Cup Finals predictions. Horwat, I'll let you lead. It seems like you're ah, leaning towards the I Abs. Slipped it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Uh, I think. Again, I know that the Lightning don't seem to be dead tired. They don't. I mean, no. they did a little bit against the Rangers, but I think that maybe just. Could have been the Rangers playing with house money. Once they get out, once they got out of the first round, it was their playoffs to lose. Um, but the Lightning, the the trip does have does have to end at some point. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Let's see how far they can take it. But I think two is enough. I do think the Avalanche are just a different animal right now. Nathan McKinnon's on a different level. Um, Kale McCarr, who has more points than him, is on a def- is on a different level. Yeah. If they get Kadri back, it might be fully game over. This is a weird team. I get that. It's Vasilevsky might make it a low-scoring series. Uh, the my only question mark with the Avalanche is: Is uh, Kemper gonna be back? He, they, he expects to be back. Yeah. Okay. Also, Francis is six and zero. So. <laughs> yeah. Take that for what you will as well. Mm-hmm. I think as as uh, questionable as that goaltending may be, because you're starting with your backup. Hey, your backup is undefeated right now in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So got something rolling for you and i think it'll be interesting it'll be entertaining i do just have my hat in the avalanche ring is who i am a rooting for and b genuinely think can do it mm-hmm. when i look at this series first and foremost i am praying with all of my might that there are seven of these games because they're gonna be very good there's a lot of star power they both play a physical style too so if you like that side of hockey that's in there as well they're two teams that are well coached, but Jared Bednar has, is one of the best coaches in hockey, and John Cooper obviously is what he is. When I look at this series, I want to say it's going to go the full seven. I am hoping it goes the full seven. But when I look at those 11 consecutive playoff series wins for the Tampa Bay Lightning, there has been only two series that have gone the distance. 
That is the Stanley Cup semifinals last year against the New York Islanders, and that is the first round this year against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The other nine didn't go seven. So, honestly, and how often do we get a seven-game series in the Stanley Cup Finals? It's not very often that you see that. The last time we saw it was in 2019 between the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. And before that, was it the Penguins in 09? I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, no, no. There was a Game 7 in Vancouver between them and the Bruins back in, what, 2011? So, three in the past 13 years. So, I don't think it goes seven games and with that, clearly, I'm wearing a Colorado shirt today. It's Colorado Red Rocks because I don't have a Colorado Avalanche shirt. Maybe I'll have to get one if they win a Stanley Cup. But I have the Abs in six. I, I don't like picking against the Tampa Bay Lightning because they know how to do it. They have the formula. It's a science to them right now. But at some point, like you said, the ride has to end. And the Colorado Avalanche are without a doubt the best team that this Tampa Bay Lightning team has faced in the past three postseasons. You look at who they played in the Stanley Cup Finals in the bubble. Dallas was a shock to be there. They were a good team, but they were a shock to be there. Even more so last year with the, with the Montreal Canadiens. That was a Cinderella story that as long as the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to beat Carey Price, it was going to be over. And the only reason that it wasn't a sweep was because Carey Price stole a game. So looking at this series... I think what you saw early on in that Eastern Conference Final against the, the New York Rangers is there is a chink in the armor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if there's any team that's going to expose it, it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche. I'd love to see it in seven, but I have the Avs in six. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if it does get pushed to seven, but I'm not going to put my official prediction on it. It's totally fair. I agree with you on that too. Six. So we're both on the avalanche, and I know our, our buddy from the official Caps Chirp podcast, Polly Cupcakes, is an avalanche fan, so he'll be happy to hear that if he still listens to the pod. But uh, nonetheless, it seems like a lot of people are on the same side. I'm just excited to watch hockey, Horwat. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all excited to watch it. What will be a fun series, regardless of mm -hmm. who you root for, how you root, it'll be a fun series. It'll be fun hockey to watch. Hockey fans are going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. The casual viewer is going to have a good time. The only last thing that I want to mention about it is Game 3 and 4 are at Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. I'll be in St. Petersburg next week. Maybe I should go. It's a hard ticket. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. So maybe I'll look at it, and if it's not like my entire month's rent, I might oh, think it about it. But I also, yeah, it, it will be. So at least I'll be in the same area. And maybe, who knows, maybe I'll try to finagle a press pass or something. <laughs> hey, if they sweep, you'll get down there for the parade. Hey, if there I'm down there go. for the boat parade, that that would be a pretty cool experience. That's the that's the move. Yeah, there it is. It'll probably be on Friday, so that'll be my last day. But still, nonetheless, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg, presented by Inside the Penguins. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back on Thursday to talk more Pittsburgh Penguins, whether it's news, analysis, or us just basically shooting the shit about the offseason we'll be here on the tip of the iceberg thursday around noon time is when it will be uploaded that's going to do it for this episode have a great weekend pens fans you can follow the hosts on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick underscore berlansky you could also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. 
This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.